0: The guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.
1: We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call them now, leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165. And check out the website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. There you can ask a question via the... listener inquiry button and as well you can access old archive shows good morning gentlemen good to see you all good Good morning morning, scott Scott. it is nice to see you uh yeah we're we're although we're doing this from home we're doing it virtually per se so we can see each other and i love your jammies (laughs) Um, here we are covid19 you know there's so many questions so many concerns we're there's so much unknown here What should people take into consideration when it comes to, say, estate planning or or even your portfolio in times of COVID-19? How has this changed things? Yes. And, you know, with with all of the
2: news, media and information questions around long-term care facilities and retirement homes, it was uh, in relation to COVID-19 and from a health perspective, obviously, we're just... uh, hoping that everybody in these facilities can stay safe. And it sounds like at least the government has put a better program in place to make sure that they are protected. And, um, you know, and I was I was reading through some estate planning information, and it just reminded me again at how vulnerable people are when they reach that point of, of a long-term care facility or even a retirement home. And they begin to be vulnerable in the sense of they may not as cognitively be aware of what's going on, and, and that could be a combination of just age, dementia, it could be medications are on, but, uh, and I was reminded of a story we were talking, and Don and I have talked about this type of planning, estate planning before, something we call an alter ego trust, and uh, I'll get into that in a little, in a second, but, you know, the one that a lot of people are familiar with is something called a Henson trust, and a Henson trust is something that has been around for a number of years, but the purpose of a Henson Trust was to protect individuals with disabilities, um, those that are receiving, say, social assistance, and really sort of protecting the beneficiaries of an estate from a, what they call a means test, which is basically their ability to access government benefits can be uh, diminished if they have, say, an inheritance. So. And this can include clawback of their disability payments, et cetera. And so the Henson Trust was created to separate the capital that they would receive from a, uh, an estate and, and, and therefore protect them from the means test for these government benefits. So they've been around and they've been used for years. And um, something else that Don and I've talked about before, which I mentioned is the Alter Ego Trust. And, in a story about this, and it's too often the case. and I've had both friends and clients experience this, where uh, in this particular court case was in relation to a gentleman by the name of George Batson. and uh, some people nickname them the Batson Trust. but essentially uh, what an alter ego does, trust does is it's designed to save probate tax. And so George, uh, George Batson was a sort of middle-class senior. He had a he had a house uh, worth about four hundred thousand, and investments worth about four hundred thousand. So about eight hundred thousand in net worth altogether. And when he was in his sort of mid uh, in the mid nineties years ago, I should say, he was around eighty-eight years old, and he was on his own at this point, widowed. And he decided to put a, an estate plan into place where he moved the, his home. Uh, from being owned by him personally by creating an alter ego trust, the Batson Trust. And this was part of his probate plan. So if he died, that uh, no probate would be subject on the value of his house because it would pass directly to his kids. So at age 88, he was alone. And a, a year or two later, as sort of dementia began to creep in and his health started to, to deteriorate, his children helped him and assisted him with the move to a long-term care home. And uh, it was in the long-term care home where George met a woman who was 55 years younger than him. (laughs) And Yeah, that's right. So she was age 33. And uh, so there was a secret wedding four months after they met. And uh, within one week, there was a new will created and a new power of attorney created in which uh, the new bride was the beneficiary of the uh, estate in the will, and also, as power of attorney, took over the administration of all of his finances as well. So, sadly, a few months after they got married, George passed away. And, you know, this struck a situation where now the kids were fighting the will as a result, and that actually ended up in a nine-day trial in the court system, while they heard both sides of the argument. And it turns out that the children prevailed in this case, at least partially. I'll explain a little bit about that in a second. But at the end of the day, the lawyers got most of the estate money, and uh, the new bride got practically nothing. And so what was the result of all of this in creating this alter ego trust? So it was two years earlier, as I mentioned, before they had met, that uh, George had moved his home into an alter-ego trust. And the court ruled that the house fell outside of the estate, and therefore it was insulated from the predator wife in this situation. Um, We know that, of course, the court, as I said, the marriage revoked George's previous will, but it really had no effect on the continued existence of the trust that he had created where the house was. The house, obviously, that, that whole purpose at the time was some planning with his financial planner talking how to save probate tax, but in the end, what it ended up doing was saving almost half of the estate for the kids because it was protected. So the new bride, it turns out, did get some money, but it ended up being spent on lawyer's fees, and uh, which included the failed trial of nine days, plus a failed appeal, which she also uh, attempted to uh, a second triad, and um, the, uh, the basically the estate lawyers got all of the fees, and that was court-directed because of how much of a, of a nuisance it all was at the end of the day. And so, um, you know, when we think about alter-ego trusts like this situation, these are fantastic ways to insulate family members, but it makes sense for married couples, it makes sense for widows, it makes sense for widowers as well. And the, the idea then would be that you create this trust and a family member basically acts as a protector trustee of this trust. And really what it, it does, and it just allows for the surviving spouse in a situation like this is protected from not only him or herself, but also others that they may be vulnerable to at, at this stage in life. And so, um, you know, it's funny how what was originally just an intention to save, you know, on the tune of six or $7,000 of probate tax mm. actually ended up saving the children almost $400,000 that they received from the estate. And it's funny how this story repeats itself. I've had friends who have talked about their own parents who uh, were a, one of the partners has died. A new, a new uh, partner comes into the picture and suddenly they find that the estate has been pilfered in the sense that wills are changed uh, and assets are redirected to, to the new spouse or the new partner in their family. So I just think we're, we we a lot of our seniors at this point are in long-term care homes. I think it's a great time maybe just to revisit the estate plans and look at, is there anything that we should be doing to make sure that, you know, they're not only protected from themselves but protected from others at this point as well.
3: And it really does make you question how much the lawyers will look into when they're doing a new will at an advanced age, how much they question in terms of their mental capacity in, in making it legal or not. And you've almost figured there should be almost a, a government test that should be done so that you know that it is a legal will and then... Obviously, in these circumstances, you'd almost question if it was legal in the first place. But that never—that wasn't the case in point. Uh, I guess it was legal, and the, the Henson Trust was the reason that it was able to get by.
2: Probably um, had a lawyer that uh, was sympathetic to her case and <laughs> uh, and assisted in in drafting a new will. Who knows? But uh, I don't know the details of that. But you know what? What really we're talking about is just different ways of using an estate plan to protect not only what you have but making sure that it ends up in the hands of the correct beneficiaries at the end of the day and um, you know it it just reminds us again at how people how vulnerable people are whether it's scams Uh, they talk about you know love scams where people are trying to get money from befriending uh, elderly individuals Uh, and it's also obviously abuse that can happen, financial abuse that can happen for those that are vulnerable either in a long-term care or retirement home as well. So keep on top of it, folks. If you've got a uh, an isolated uh, parent or, or grandparent, uh, maybe having a discussion about estate planning might not seem appropriate at this time, but it's mm. something that uh, you can just say, well, Don and Andy said we should be talking to you about this, so we want to make sure you're safe.
1: And as you mentioned, though, you would think that with having a lawyer involved in this, that somehow there would be a red flag that would have stopped
0: this.
2: Yeah, and I think, you know, I don't have all the details of the case, but it's true. And I think, Don, you made a good point. But at the end of the day, um, I've seen clients, I've seen, I've heard of, and I've had situations where people have pushed the envelope when it comes to the facts when they're speaking with their lawyers. About setting these things up, so uh, it's again. I think you just you have to be careful, and as a as an adult looking after your senior and vulnerable parents is uh, is the is the key to this whole whole the whole the answer to all of it, really.
3: And, and it really comes down to a properly drafted will, sitting down with your financial planner, and working out you know what is the best plan to attack to make the estate as efficient. I make sure the people that are supposed to get the funds get them in an orderly fashion. And a trust is an, exa- is an example of a great way to do that.
1: We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now. Leave a message, 905-529-7165. They'll get back to you. And check out the website at andyanddon.com. There you can listen to old archive shows and ask a question via the listener inquiry button. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming back.
0: You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified. The guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.
1: We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call them now and leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165 and check out the website at andyanddon.com. We're talking about Canada pension uh, and how does that change? during COVID-19. Anything new there?
3: Not necessarily new. Um, I guess some people are saying, okay, well, I guess perhaps there's a higher risk of death and therefore I might not live as long and therefore maybe I should take it earlier. Uh, I would go on the other side too, that uh, devil's advocate, I'd be saying, well, first of all, that you likely will still have a similar life expectancy, but it's nice to have a guaranteed investment that, that is indexed with inflation paying you the rest of your life without any worries of the stock market going up and down. So you can go on either side, but, you know, th- this is a, a situation you need a financial planner for just one reason alone. If you did, It would be to see what the best choice for you for Canada Pension Plan. I find that more people are simply listening to the people they work with, other retired people, and the vast majority are still taking it before 65. In fact, most of them, if they had their way, would say, I'm taking it 60 and I personally think it might be one of the worst decisions they're going to make. It's it's such a it's such a great thing that you've contributed all your life to. And right now, the maximum Canada Pension Plan is $1,100, 1175 dollars a month. So if you contributed the maximum for thirty-nine years, between age eighteen and sixty-five, you would get that amount per month. And it's uh it's interesting. What came up this past week is. I was talking to an accountant and the husband in this case had a very high paying job and the wife was had a lower paying job and a smaller income and they didn't do a very good job in the income splitting side. And one thing when they looked at it, they had never split their candidate pension plan. She virtually got very little. She was getting, you know, call it $100 a month and, and he was getting $1,175 a month. So there's a big opportunity to split the Canada Pension Plan and and what was you know he simply in the past had dealt with somebody else and did his own tax return wasn't even aware that you couldn't split this and he thought it was just part of the income income splitting portion of the tax program so then when he brought it to an accountant he made it clear that he couldn't split this Canada Pension Plan well it's it's a first of all you really need to go through this and to in order to split it you can go on the CRA website in this, you can complete a pension sharing form. Um, it's an ISP 1002 form. And you can fill it right on the screen, print it out, and then mail it with the supporting documents, which you need the social insurance numbers, your marriage certificate, and if you're not married, a proof of a common law. And it just basically shows how many months you're, you're living together. And from that, if you were basically married from an early age, right till 65, it's virtually a 50-50 split. So in the case, I was giving an example here. Let's say the husband in this case was getting the maximum, and the spouse was getting zero, just to make it very simple. That means he would be getting $14,000 a year, and she would be getting zero, and he could literally move 7000 from his um, CPP over to hers, and again, it has to be done as an application. And so, basically, if he was making ninety thousand dollars a year, he was already over the old age security threshold, and therefore, his old age security would be reduced by one thousand six hundred forty-one dollars a year, or about one hundred thirty-seven dollars a month, by just the fact he's making ninety thousand a year. Now, by moving seven thousand to his, his wife, he's still going to get clawback because he's over that threshold. And the threshold for 2020, anything you make over $79,054, you are now going to lose $0.15 cents on the dollar of old age security. So in this particular case, he's 1600 over, so therefore he's losing $137 a month of old age security. Now, if he moved 7000 to his wife, his, now, his, now, his income is now 83000 and now he's only going to lose $49, $49 a month versus $137 a month. So that's another, it's $88 per month more of old age security simply by moving it from him, half of it to, from him to her, okay? Now, on top of that, there's a tax difference. And if he's in a 31.5% tax bracket and she is in the 20% bracket, that's $7,000 difference saves another $805 a year in income tax. Now, this isn't just a one-off. This is every single year. So if they're, you know, let's say they're married for, they they live for 10 years after 65, that would be an $8,000 savings. If it was 20 years after 65, which is kind of the norm, living to 85, then there would be a $16,000 savings over those years, plus not to mention the old age clawback difference. So... Absolutely uh, important for you to for your financial planner to look through your tax situation and make sure they're maximizing all the benefits they can on Canada pension plan. Now, the way I look at CPP, it's just like a defined benefit plan. If you were a police officer, teacher, what have you, a lot of the government plans, they are, in fact, all most of them, all of them, as far as I know, are they're guaranteed pension that are indexed with inflation. So is the Canada Pension Plan, and by the way, so is the Old Age Security. So this is like the foundation of your of your retirement plan. It doesn't matter. Particularly now, you're seeing the volatility in the markets. Everything's great when markets are going up ten, eight percent, whatever the number is. But as soon as you see this kind of volatility, now it really shows the risk of having a portfolio. And the nice thing about the Canada Pension Plan, that's your guarantee part. That's like having a big giant GIC. So right now with life expectancy for males um, would live if you're 65 a male would live on average age to age 84 and a female would live to about age 87 so that being the case it makes sense for most people to delay their Canada pension plan in a lot of cases it actually makes sense to delay it till till 70 but i just worked it out if you're getting 1176 a month by waiting till 65 if you took it at age sixty, you get a thirty-six percent reduction. In which case, you are now getting instead of eleven seventy-six, you're only getting seven hundred fifty-two dollars a month. Now that works out to about forty-five thousand dollars over the next five years, which is a forty-five thousand dollar head start than if you waited till sixty-five. Now it would take this because of the difference of four hundred twenty-four dollars a month difference between sixty-five and sixty. It would take. 8.87 years to break even, or basically the break even is 74. So, if you're pondering, should I take it at 60, or should I take it at at 65? The difference being, okay, will I live to 74 or not? And if you don't feel you're going to live to 74, then yeah, you should probably take it at 60. Now, I guess another question is, well, should I wait till 70? Now, now let's say you wait till 65, should I wait till 80? I mean, 70 versus 65. If you do wait till 70, you're going to get a 42% increase, which means instead of getting 1176 a month, you would get 1669 a month. And so again, about five years, that's a $20,000 head start you would get by delaying it till, till 65, from 65 to 70. So if you took it at 65 and started it, you would get $20,000 before the person at 70 would even get a dollar because they hadn't started it yet. The break-even in that case is age 82. So for every, anybody that lives past the age of 82, it made sense to start their Canada pension plan at age 70. And now you can start at any time in between. There's no set years. You can start at age 68, 66, whatever the age is, or even half way through the year. You can go 66 and a half. It doesn't matter. It goes month by month. But at the end of the day, you, you should look at maybe even a hybrid. And, okay, my in general, the women live longer than men. So maybe I'll, I'll start my wife's at, at 68 and I'll start mine at 65. That may be an example. So at the end of the day, um, it does give you that peace of mind knowing that you're going to get an income. And, and, and you do also have to take a look at how much the – the spouse will get because depending on the spouse and how much he or she worked there's a uh, there's a survivor's benefit and this is where it's not exactly fair if you have two people in the workforce all the way through both getting the maximum candidate pension plan and one of the spouses dies the, rem- the survivor spouse will not get a bump in terms of their candidate pension plan they do not get any of the survivor candidate pension plan now, if you had a stay-at-home spouse, totally different. They would get sixty percent of whatever that person got of the uh, of the person that passed away, up to the maximum Canada pension plan. So, in what, in some cases, it actually makes sense to delay your Canada pension plan because they will get actually a higher Canada higher survivors amount. But again, all the, every situation is so different. This is why it's very important to know both sides of this. So, if if the surviving spouse is only getting 40% right now and the person the other person passes away they'll get the other 60% and they'll end up with the full maximum again so there's lots of lots of different avenues to look at here there is some there is some reason to not wait and really there's really three different reasons if you're laid off early you just simply can't afford it okay and you weren't able to it left you somewhat unprepared for retirement. You, you didn't have the money to wait. Um, so therefore, you got to eat. You have to pay um, different payments, and you need to collect your, your Canada Pension Plan at age 60. Also, you may actually um, qualify for your guaranteed income supplement at age 65 by taking it early, too, depending on your situation. Um, number, number two, if you have a reduced life expectancy, because of some illness you might have, or genetics, whatever the case is, and you say, okay, my life life expectancy is is definitely compromised, you may want to take it early. Or maybe one of the two spouses may want to take it early. And thirdly, if if you retired early, let's say you retired at 55 and you no longer contributed to the Canada Pension Plan, then... It's interesting because if you retire at 60, they take the best 35 years. If you retire at 65, they take the best 39 years of earnings. And it works out that sometimes it actually works out in the favor if you retire early and you no longer contribute a Canada Pension Plan, say from age 55 to 60, it can actually work out that you'll actually get more at 60 than by waiting to 65, just based on the formula. So at the end of the day... You really need to go to My CRA, check out it right at the very bottom. It's actually a little more difficult to find. It's right at the bottom, uh, bottom right of the screen. You can find out CPP benefits, and you can find out what you're going to get. And also you can do the same, of course, for both spouses. I actually ch- checked this uh, this past week on my own personal. Unfortunately, the website was down for that, so I wasn't able to get that information. But these are the kind of – this is important data when you're kind of building out your financial plan. And then you can take that information, pass it along to your financial planner, and then from there, they can create a Canada pension plan strategy that makes the most sense for you, your tax situation, your life expectancy situation, your survivorship situation, all so many factors go into this, and they say, okay, this is the age you should take it at. And not simply listening to a fellow worker beside you saying, yeah, 60 is the best way you take it at 60.
2: I think that there, it, it's so easy to get uh, into the, the emotional versus the actuary side of this of this argument. And, uh, Scott, I don't know, you might. this is a test for you. You might, you might know the answer to this. But, you know, if you take your Canada pension plan early, before 65, there's a percentage every month reduction. And if you take it, uh, if you wait and you take it for every month past 65, there's a percent per month increase. Do you know what those numbers are?
1: Um, is it somewhere in the 15% range?
2: Yeah, so it's, it's 0.6 per month decl- the reduction prior to 65 and a 0.7% increase after 65. So basically, it's like a 36% reduction uh, prior and a 42% increase past 65. But the actuaries, when they actually look at how inflation impacts your payout. If you wait, if you start at seventy, you're actually going to have about 150 percent more income than you would versus age 65. And if you start, if you started at age 60 uh, versus 70, you'd actually have 250 percent more income versus uh, age 60. So it, it's it, the, the actuarial side of it is a is somewhat, you know, you can make a simple argument. This is the break-even point. But what we're getting back to is Donald about is the emotional side of it, and uh, you know, you hear somebody else doing it. Uh, I don't want to miss out and so really I think it comes down to for those people that want to take it early and maybe conserve their personal savings and the only reason to do that is maybe an advanced uh, health issue or but also um, increasing maybe your net worth or net estate. The second thing is really are you going to take it later and really the idea of taking it later is to build up a bigger payment that won't be subject to stock market corrections etc i um, uh, you know this is uh this is something that don as i mentioned as I mentioned it's it comes back to having a complete analysis done it's probably one of the biggest decisions and i'm hearing people asking about this during the covid crisis more often than normal because i think we're just all reflecting on our own mortality our um, mortality and uh, and covid 19 is making us think about should i start my canada pension plan or maybe i shouldn't
1: You know, and Don, you bring up an interesting point in in jokingly saying, you know, I've got a friend at work that knows stuff about this. I'm amazed at the amount of people who are using anecdotal information that they're getting from friends or relatives to make these decisions. I I couldn't believe it when I heard someone say this.
3: Yeah, and that seems to be, unfortunately, that seems to be the norm because There's so many people out there that are taking it at age 60. It's almost like a club. I want to get the CPP at 60 club, and they're having fun in here. But what they don't see is at 74, how much missed opportunity. And if you do live to a ripe old age of 90 or over, we're talking of 100,000-plus difference between taking it early or waiting until 65.
1: We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now and leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165 going to take a quick break. We're coming right back.
0: You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.
1: We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now and leave a message. They'll get back to you at 905-529-7165, and check out the website at andyanddon.com. So there's lots of questions during COVID-19. One of them is, will we ever use cash again, and will we ever hug again? Anybody want to tackle either one of these?
2: I'll take the cash one.
1: <laughs> and uh, I was chuckling to myself because um, I
2: was getting my my credit card out of my wallet, and I noticed that there was a $100 bill in it. In my wallet, and I think "Where?" And I thought, "Oh yeah, that, my uh, my mother gave that to me back in January for my birthday, huh. and I haven't touched the thing in three months." So, uh, and and it sort of got me. You know, sometimes it's easier to hang on to a hundred dollar bill than a fifty or a twenty. But at the end of the day, it just made me think about. It. I wonder how long that bill is actually going to sit in there because.
3: <laughs> and it was hiding. I- under your credit card, I guess you haven't pulled the credit card out recently
1: either. No, no, it was a, <laughs> it was a separate spot, but you know. Wait a sec uh, shouldn't shouldn't that money have been invested a long time ago, Andy? When you got it from your mother for your birthday,
2: that was for personal lifestyle <laughs> consumption. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so you you know it's funny. I mean, literally, I mean, we are all using tap, right? If you you want to tap when you're going to uh, the drive through to any kind of purchase. And, of course, we're all purchasing things online using our credit cards. So, uh, again, no exchange of cash. And, of course, the whole concept like is ca- how dirty is cash. And, uh, well, the, the World Health Organization says that basically cash is the same as touching a doorknob. We're all, we're all touching these things as we go out into the public. And uh, the most important thing, of course, is to wash your hands. So for those people that are still using cash, it's just a matter of washing your hands. But the, So the question was, are, are we actually using less cash? And uh, there was a study out by Bank of Montreal looking at ATM cash flows, money going in and out of uh, the ATMs. And in fact, the amount of cash that we're using has remained stable. Hmm. So what I'm trying to figure out is: Are we sticking it under our mattress? Like it may actually be a fear factor, where people are hoarding some cash with the concern or fear over being able to access funds. So I, I guess that's that's really is happening as we uh, as we speak. But um, so at the same time, the Bank of Canada has made it clear that they want all retailers to continue accepting cash <clears throat> because. Uh, they recognize that there's still a lot of a lot of individuals in our in, in our consumer consumers that don't have access to uh, banking car, bank cards banking facilities that include credit cards etc so it's interesting I, I know for me and our family you know the amount of cash we really have stopped using it in the last several months and uh, and I think it's you know there are there are uh, countries that have gone completely cashless at this point and I'm Pretty sure it's one of the northern uh, northern European countries, but uh, I'm not 100 percent sure. So maybe it's not a bad thing, but I guess there those people that will still need a- don't have access to um, bank cards or credit cards, there'll still be cash around for a good long time, or hopefully not Bitcoin or something like that as well.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, absolutely. With our quarantining right now, we um, I I think I've spent maybe twenty dollars. Everything else has been um, e transfer of money. He transfers, yes. It has been uh, just simply credit cards over the phone. And taking checks and just taking a picture of the check and depositing it that way.
2: Absolutely. So, I mean, you know, coins have really become an annoyance at the end of the day, are they not? And the yeah. bills, like, do we want all these things? I don't know. And and I, knew, I do know
3: at the beginning a lot of the institutions and vendors wouldn't even take cash, and it was simply credit card or debit card only. So maybe they've changed those. Um, One funny thing was the beer store was the opposite. It was the only one that, because I guess they had a break-in, that they would only accept cash. And so there was some compromise of their system. So my wife went there and uh, they would only take cash and she didn't have any. I got enough for two bottles. (laughs) 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 Scraped together some change. So that was the anomaly, but uh, apparently they've uh, fixed their issue there and uh, they're back to taking whatever currency again. Well, but I don't what a know. difference. Uh, you know, April's gone by. It's ripped by. I don't know what about you. It has been a bit like Groundhog Day every day. And you're doing a lot of similar things. Um, and I've got to say, it might be the fastest month in existence because there's so much r- repetition. And so... With yeah, that, true. With, with these type of things, uh, life is carried on uh, fairly normal, I think, for a lot of people. But uh, the one area, for sure, is cash is no longer king, and I would say, <laughs> I would say that almost all the other sources have become definitely the king. And I would probably say it would be the credit cards that are winning out right now.
2: Well, I'm still going to spend my hundred bucks somewhere somehow. Trust me, but. Uh... I don't know about hugs, Scott. But I'm, I'm hoping those come. Those do come back.
1: <laughs> you know, one of our uh, one of our uh, peers said that uh, his car is getting about eight weeks to the gallon right now. So, <laughs> that's how it works. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now, leave a message. They'll get back to you at 905-529-7165. And check out their website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. There you can ask a question via the listener inquiry button. As well, listen to old archive shows. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming back.
0: You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.
1: We are planning our financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call them now and leave a message. They'll return your call 905-529-7165 and check out the website at andyanddon.com That's andyanddon.com right, lots of people getting uh, emergency aid from government students. uh, The big winners this week
3: yes that uh, was a big change this week i know these kind of fell through the cracks so the federal government figured out something and you know i was speaking with a client this past week and her son was a um, life worked at the pool and uh as a lifeguard and a good paying job but of course none of the pools are open right now so he is out of work at this stage so we were trying to figure out what would be the best way for him to apply for benefits. Well, this past week, out came this new emergency benefit for students. And basically, anybody that's enrolled in post-secondary or any new graduates can apply for this, and they can get $1,250 per month, which works out if you've got a four-year, you know, if you're in post-secondary, that's a four-month summer, basically, and you would get $5,000. Now, that actually wasn't the best, case for this person, because he was a lifeguard last year and made over $5,000, he actually qualified for the CURB and the Canadian Emergency Response Benefit that has been already in existence for, I guess, two months now. Um, People are on their second payment of that, so it's it's been over the five or six weeks now. And that qualifies for $2,000 a month. And basically, you have to be over 15 years old, and you had to be it didn't matter if you're a student or not. Originally, they had something about being a student, but that wasn't necessarily the case. So now as long as your income was over 5000 in 2019, you now qualify for this uh, the Canadian Emergency Response Benefit. So you got to really look at which one applies to you the best. Now, again, there's also a little bit more for students with a disability or students with dependents. They would qualify for $1,750 dollars. month and again this is I believe only for four months and it's there's also from a weekly amount for the student loan program now the student loan program was and I guess this would be like the OSAP that we've had in the past it was $210 a week it's been moved up to $350 a week for I guess for the time you would be in school and that's an increase of $140 a week so that's a substantial amount that by the way it is a loan so you would be you do have to pay this back but you're now allowed to get a bigger loan on top of getting the government benefits of either the emergency benefit for students or the Canadian emergency response benefit so you either get one of those two but if you are if you do qualify for a loan you would also get this increase of the loan amount now if you are a student uh and you already have a loan, then all the loans have been suspended. You will now have a suspension of the accrual of interest, and you don't have to make payments until after September 30th of this year, 2020. So you get this hiatus of both interest and payments until this point. However, you do have to make the phone call. You have to call your institution to make the to stop these payments. It doesn't happen automatically. So just like with the all these other benefits, it's always great to you have to be hands on. These these don't just happen. You do have to make that phone call or you have to go on the myCRA website and apply for these. And what a great time we all have a little extra time to do these things. Great time to sign up for for the myCRA website. You'll need you know the They'll send you a, a password after the fact in the mail, and you apply for this. And now at least you can get all these things that you have, you can apply for through the government. You'll also know if you you know if you have to pay installments or your Canada pension plan. There's so many different things that you can see, and just at your fingertips. It's so well organized, and you don't have to wait for the normal delays that you normally get from the government. So there's you know, it's best to talk to your financial planner, find out which works out best. On top of that, there's a business loan, which if you're incorporated and you have a minimum salaries, I believe it was $55,000 of salaries to employees, you can get that $40,000 loan. We, we spoke about that last year, uh, sorry, last week. But that, that loan, um, they're, they're fast in getting that. People are getting them already. Since last week, I've talked to somebody, they've already received their $40,000 loan. And they have to repay that December 31st of 2021. And if they do so, they only have to repay 30000 of this. So it's a $10,000 gift, basically, from the government to help get through payroll. So lots of benefits out there, uh, definitely worth investigating. And the best place to find all this information is on the CRA website. So I, I, I definitely would recommend everybody to go there first.
1: We have been planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox have been here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call them now and leave a message. They will return your call at 905-529-7165. And check out their website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. You can listen to old Archive shows there. As well, ask a question via the listener inquiry button, and we'll try to answer it the following week. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much. Have a great day. All right, everybody. Thank you. Put away your cash. Enjoy it.
0: <laughs> the preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900CHML.